Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We also have Cody Del Mendo here again. He's been with us many times before, and we're always very happy to have him on the show. We got a lot to talk about today, a lot of spring training. Games are finally underway. A lot of players are doing notable things. We got you, Darvish, pitching. We have John Lester. We have Chris Bryant hitting home runs. We got a lot to talk about, so we're just going to get right into it. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad. Good. Cody, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great, aside to uh, Maryland not covering right now. So, uh, you know, aside from gambling, I'm, I'm pretty good. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, and hope your uh, fortunes change very soon. Don't gamble, kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend, but if you do... Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, don't don't learn from Cody. If the only thing you're going to learn from Cody is don't gamble, then that's fine. I yeah. think <laughs> that's fair to say, right? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right, boys, let's just get right into it. Yesterday, Hugh Darvish had his first start of spring training, and it was essentially his first game action since his rehab start in August last year. He'd been obviously throwing and working out and getting on the mound. But this was kind of his first action. He didn't go quite two innings. He walked four guys, but he didn't give up any runs, didn't strike out any. But the key to the game was he was throwing 95, 96, usually around 94, 95, but he did top out at 96. Really, for me, that's the most important thing is seeing Darvish's arm back at full power. If he was throwing in the high 80s, then maybe. Maybe I'd be a little concerned, but considering he was probably rusty, I'm not too worried about a few walks that some reporters who were there said weren't really awful walks. It was just misses, so really nothing to be concerned about. Uh, Cody, we'll start with you. I don't know if you really heard much about that U Darvish start, but any other thoughts? Um, Well, first off, I I don't really know if there's a such thing as good or bad walks, because walks are walks, but... Um, I don't know. I thought, like you said, I, I like the sign that, you know, his velocity is up. Um, but yeah, he hasn't pitched in, you know, a long time, uh, healthy at least. So, you know, I, I think the big takeaway for sure is the fact that he is, uh, you know, healthy and, you know, they didn't have any setbacks like we experienced so many times last year. So I think for his first spring training start, it was, you know, I think that's the best outcome we could have had besides, you know, if he would have came out there and, you know, had a couple strikeouts or was just something that we just weren't weren't looking at. So, yeah, I mean, right now, I think this is good, a good start. Hopefully, you know, I know stats and and spring training don't mean anything, but you would like to see him progress over the next, you know, month or so and see, you know, him show better control um, while keeping that velocity up. So. Yeah, and you know, this is kind of the time where you figured out how to get your strength back. He's been working out. He's built up a little bit. He's got that all back. Now spring is for working on the command. Uh, Adam, do you have anything to add? I mean, there's there's not much to add to what you guys already said there. Uh, I, I said the same thing on Twitter. Is that The only important thing to take away from that start is... Uh, velocity looked good, and most importantly, he felt no pain afterwards. I mean, that's that's the key thing here: is can he pitch and and feel comfortable uh, when it's done? And he did. So that 
spring training, it just doesn't stats. They don't matter at all. Right. I mean, really, the the only thing you're concerned with when you're watching these guys in February and March is can they stay on the field? Are they healthy? Do they look okay? And you, Darvish, did. I mean, everybody's a little rusty. It, it'll come along eventually. Uh, maybe the movement wasn't quite where you would hope it would be for you, Darvish. But again, it's February, and there's no reason to believe that that won't come along. Right. The real key is kind of, I guess I would say for hitters, it's like approach. Batting average, home runs are like, you know, one thing. But if you see a player in spring training have the right approach, drawing walks, plate discipline, that's kind of what you're looking for more than a bunch of other stats. For pitchers like Darvish, I would say it's velocity and then eventually movement. But in your first start, velocity was a big first step. And Again, I want to give him a lot of credit uh, for speaking English in these interviews because he said that was a big goal of his, and he's just knocking out of the park. He, he's a natural out there speaking in yeah. English, and just I'm very, very proud of the guy. That has to be a really hard thing to do, and so far he's accomplishing his goal very well. Yeah, we've talked about this so many times on this show that last year it just kind of felt like you, Darvish, was kind of disconnected uh, from fans, from teammates, from the organization. Um, and and it's nice to see that he's really making an effort this year and that he he doesn't want that to be the case. And I'm not saying that 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 he wanted it that way last year. I mean, he, he obviously he he can't help being injured the way he was. Uh, but that was at least the perception. And to see him taking the initiative and being proactive about changing that narrative, I think speaks uh, a lot about him. Yeah, I mean, wasn't there, like, a few times where, like, the interpreter and him, like, maybe didn't, like, exactly say the same things to each other, I guess you could say? And like, and then, you know, some of his quotes to the media were were just, I don't know, questionable, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there was something like a, like a, like something like about that, that I don't, I don't really. I, know. I don't know. I don't really know about that either. I mean, I I would think that. Uh, with the language barrier like that, it would be easy to occasionally misconstrue what he's trying to say. But uh, yeah, no, I, I just I thought I read something about that, or I don't like it's been you know eight months, whatever. Um, but I just you do last year, you definitely felt like you know with the interpreter and everything, you just never really got a real understanding of how Darvish was, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see that he's you know. His this comeback story is so far is is looking nice. He's able to express himself. He's able to kind of crack a few jokes here or there. I mean, he made a he made an expensive joke. Just it was either today or yesterday where he talked about interpreters being expensive for the team, and you know that may be a joke kind of towards the Ricketts. But you know, either <laughs> way, he's kind of being more like himself. And he said, "I'm happier than I've been in a very long time in years." So. I mean, that's got to be a big plus for him. I think that if he feels like he's part of the team this year, that'll only help him because more teammates will be able to approach him and help him if he needs, and he'll be able to approach other teammates and help them. It's kind of a, a great way to build a mutual personal relationship with all your other teammates. So I think that's that's one really big factor in you, Darvish, coming back this year is just feeling like part of the team. And like Adam said, we've talked about it many times, but I think there's a lot of value in that. 
And I really enjoy listening to you, Darvish, talk because he gets into details. He talks about how he feels. One thing I really liked in one of the last interviews he did, I don't know if you guys heard this, but they were saying how Darvish pitched his first inning and then going back to the mound the second time, he waited a long time because they had a very, very long inning. There were a lot of batters, a lot of hits, and a lot of runs scored. So obviously... There was a lot of in-between time for Darvish in between innings. And he said, yeah, you know, that's going to happen. And that's a good way to prepare me for it. It's little details like that that I just think are so important. And spring training is kind of the first time to adjust for the regular season for those kind of things. It's, you know, we're not professional baseball players, but I'm sure small little details like that can go a long way in the way a pitcher pitches or the way a position player plays whether they're on the bench long or not so I really like that we're hearing you Darvish talk about just kind of the little details about himself and you know maybe that'll help him progress in ways that he never thought he could so you could look at that in so many positive ways yeah, yeah. I mean no matter what happens it, it fans should appreciate the fact that this is important to him and that he's making an effort yeah I, I really think the you know he had this whole offseason to you know whether it's rehab, learn English, however long he's been working on it. Um, you know, you didn't have the free agent thing, you know, lurking behind him, you know, having to find out what team he was going to play for. You know, I believe he didn't, he didn't sign until like February last year too. So, um, you know, this off season, you know, obviously it was focused on rehabbing and other things like that. And just trying to, you know, get off on a rights, a good path, going into this year because he knows that he he needs to perform and he knows he needs to you know connect better with the fans and stuff so you know i i i like like you guys said i commend him and i'm looking forward to seeing him you know come april and you know this guy could be the cubs number one he could be he could be what we we what we thought last year he'd probably be the number three uh you know i think he is a top three of the rotation guy by, by the end of the year. So, um, you know, that I like I said, I think this is a great start for his comeback story. Absolutely. I am rooting so hard for this guy. Switching gears a little bit, but we'll stay on the topic of pitching. We have John Lester. And John Lester the other day kind of made a few comments regarding Picota projections and the whole pitch clock thing. And he pretty much said what you would expect. He doesn't care about projections. He knows he's old. But he's not going to let anything stop him. He doesn't care about peripherals. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He's just going to go out there and do his thing. And you know what? We're, we're baseball fans. We're baseball analysts. We thrive on statistics and all sorts of things. For the player himself, he's just going to go up there and compete. And that's what John Lester is. You know, to me, it's, just, it's great to see John Lester never lose his attitude. I love his winning type attitude. He's not going to let anyone beat him. And if somebody does beat him, he says, look, I didn't do my job. I'm going to come back and do better next time. That's the kind of guy he is. I love that kind of stuff. And you think John Lester, of all people, would be concerned with Dakota projections? I don't think so. No, definitely not. He's his his comments, uh, you know, they're. You're just—they're everything you expected for, from him. He's always been that way. Every time, I'm pretty sure they probably ask him about this kind of stuff every spring because, like, that's what people are talking about right now. And you know, 
what one reason why I love it is just because he just has that I don't know that grit that attitude that a lot of the guys on the Cubs don't have. So he he's the one who kind of supplies it, and uh, you know, one, as one of the older guys on their team, like this, like uh, you always want someone like that. You know, everyone always used to like. I guess <laughs> be afraid of John Lackey, but like John Lackey's <laughs> the exact same way. Like I get, I think the reason that people like John Lester so much more is just because obviously he's a better, better pitcher for the Cubs than John Lackey was. But um, you know, I, I just love that kind of attitude from like a, your veteran or something like that. Cause you know, the young guys aren't really going to be like that unless they're super cocky or, you know, something like that. But like Lester, the difference between him and like a young guy that's maybe played really well in the big leagues for a while is, you know, you know, he's proven he's won multiple championships. He's, he's been through it all. And, you know, last year, yeah, you know, maybe his ERA was a little flawed compared to everything else, but he went out there and grinded. He just like found a way to still, you know, be the Cubs number one or number two starter. However you want to look at it. Like everyone thought he was going to, you know, decline last year. And, you know, he, the Cubs wouldn't have made the playoffs without him, I don't think. So grind is the perfect way to uh, describe John Lester last year, because that's exactly what he did. When he didn't have his best stuff. He found a way to at least get by, right. and that's what makes him really good. Is let's face it, he's probably never going to have his prime stuff again. He's thirty-five. He's got a ton of miles on that arm, but I still trust him. Don't you guys? The reason why why guys like John Lester succeed in their mid to late 30s uh, is not because they maintain the same skill set that they had when they were in their prime but because they're smart enough to adapt you yep. realize they're getting older they don't have the same stuff and they make the necessary adjustments to succeed that's what lester has done that's what we've seen and that's why i'm not worried about him at all this year i mean he, his velocity isn't the same as when he was 24 his cutter isn't as good as it used to be but he continues to be a viable option in the rotation better than that even a solid oh, yeah. starting pitcher. And I, there's no reason to believe he won't do the same this year because he, he knows what he has to do. You know, he know he knows he's not uh, a 25 a year old anymore. Uh, he, he knows how to pitch. I mean, that uh, you got to give the guy credit in that department is he's smart enough to realize that he can't pitch the same way he did when he was in his prime. Question yeah. for you guys. This is very, very early on opening days till over a month away. But would you name John Lester your opening day starter right now if you had to? Or would you go with Kyle Hendricks? Or would you go with someone else? I, I mean, I would go with Lester with, on opening day just because just he has been, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be. I, I would go with Kyle Hendricks. I'd say you, you, you put your best guy out there on day one. Uh, I, I get the whole perspective of it's a respect thing, veteran guy give him his due, but uh, also when you get to be that age, you, you also have to come to realize that, you know, you, you are not the, you're not the top guy anymore. And I, that's just my opinion. I think it opening day, you got to, you got to put your best starter out there. And that's right now. I think that's Kyle Hendricks that could change obviously by opening day that it could be somebody else. But uh, right, right now I would say whoever is, perceived as being the best starter on that team is who should go on day one. Yeah, I mean, that's a completely fair reasoning from both of you. I mean, to me, it's going to be between Lester or Kyle Hendricks. Maybe 
but I doubt it. Maybe there's a tiny microscopic chance it would be Cole Hamels if there was going to be other than those two, but I, doubt I really it. think it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be between Hendricks and Lester. It's not going to be Quintana. He's pretty much solidified himself as a four or five in this rotation. And look, we're rooting hard for you, Darvish, but he's not going to be the opening day starter. We know that. And that's fine. He doesn't have to be to prove himself this year. He doesn't have to be the opening day starter. It's fine if he goes three or four. It's completely fine. So, yeah, I mean, even last year when we got you, Darvish, coming off a full season, he wasn't the opening day starter. So, yeah, I I think it's going to be between Kyle Hendricks or John Lester. And you remember, Kyle Hendricks won that opening start bid in the NLDS in 2017. So Kyle Hendricks has earned himself the honors of going number one in some form. We also remember that in 2016, the opening day starter was Jake Arrieta coming off his Cy Young year. So I really don't think that the respect thing is going to make much of a difference because if they go with Kyle Hendricks, you know, as much of a winning mentality as John Lester has, as much more of an old school mentality John Lester has, I don't think you're going to see him stomping into Joe Madden's office protesting. I really don't. So, yeah, it's going to be between those two. Yeah, I mean, you you guys make a lot of points. And the only reason I even said Lester is just because, like, he started the wild card game. And, like I said, last year he was better than everyone thought. And, you know, in spring training, they don't look at the stats or anything. So, you know, just like I said, I, I thought that, you know, he would just get it based off respect. And that – but that doesn't mean that I don't think he's – that doesn't mean that I think he's going to be their number one starter for the the entire season. So. Yeah. Well, I agree with you, Cody. I think if if I were a guessing man right now, a betting man like you, <laughs> uh, I would go with John Lester just because he's John Lester. I think the respect thing may be part of the equation. My whole point is I don't think that John Lester is going to let that get to him if it is indeed Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, I, I would I take or would I bet on Hendricks having a better season than Lester right now? Yeah, I totally would. Yeah, um, absolutely. So you guys make plenty of sense on that. And I I could see maybe Hamels, but it definitely would lean towards Hendricks if or Hendricks if, uh, you know, if I had to choose on who I thought was going to be the number one starter by the end of the year. Yeah, so uh, we'll switch gears here now. Uh, that's pretty much all the thoughts I had on John Lester. A lot of talk right now around Christopher Lee Bryant, our great third baseman. I mean, where do we start with him? We can talk about his early spring numbers. We can talk about his comments on the CBA. We can talk about his future because Nolan Arenado just signed a huge extension. What are things going to happen to Chris Bryant in the future? We could go in so many directions. We also had some very interesting comments earlier this morning Sounded like he was kind of taking shots at the whole we don't have any money thing by Tom Ricketts. He said, everyone has money. We're not stupid. And it's like, dang. Mm. I mean, Chris Bryant's been pretty feisty this offseason into the spring training because, you know, he was pretty angry when he talked about the whole keeping prospects, including himself, down a certain amount of time uh, before they come up to earn them that extra year of control. So there's a lot to talk about, Brian, but 
let's just kind of start off with how he looks and what we're going to look forward to this season. As everyone probably knows by now, his first at-bat of the spring was a massive two-run home run. Now, we can't really overreact to that, but the way he's played so far, which isn't much, and the way he's talked, kind of brushing off the critics, saying, whatever, I'm motivated now. I am just ready for Chris Bryant to go on a tear this season. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but yeah. I think it's very it's very much there. I see his, his injury troubles last year as more of a fluke than... Uh, something to to expect. You know, I don't see him as being an injury prone kind of guy. Uh, and man, he's he's been snarky lately. Chris Bryant, <laughs> edge edge lord in the month of February. Uh, I like his mentality of trying to go on the uh, the revenge tour, as a lot of people say. Uh, I don't personally. I don't think he really has anything to prove. I mean, what rookie of the year and then MVP and what more can you ask? I mean, that's, I think that's who he is. I don't think that the 2018 season is indicative of what the rest of Chris Bryant's career will be. Uh, so I, I expect him to be, you know, about a 300, you know, 290, 300 ish hitter. And I think he's going to hit 30 to 40 home runs. Uh, and if he stays healthy, I, you would be crazy to think otherwise. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I'll, I'll just say this, like everything that Alex said, and then all of his, like, how he's been. Like, I love this mentality because the perception that I've always got from Chris Bryant is, like, he's just, you know, the pretty boy from, like, Las Vegas. He, you know, looks how he looks, whatever. And you just kind of didn't think that he was that he could ever be like this, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm very much here for it. And I, like, I love every bit of it, you know, from the start of it, from him, you know, calling St. Louis boring, whether it was, like, not – it was just, like, a – a small shot or not, whatever it, I was at the convention. I, I heard it. It was, it was St. Louis made it out. To there needs to be goals. more of that. There needs to I be know, more that, of that team bashing thing like that. That used to be pretty common, but now in this, in this social media age, uh, everybody, everybody on separate teams, they're all best friends with each other. And it's, yeah. I mean, I, I like that there's some camaraderie there. It's, it's cool, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of miss the, the uh, the days of, of when it was heated rivalries all around and and when you guys were playing each other it was all business and nobody liked each other there needs to be there needs to be more players throwing shade at each other like this because that's more interesting than seeing two guys going to a hockey game together or something like I don't I don't care to see pictures of of players on different teams uh, on Instagram going to sporting events together and stuff like I I want to I want to hear them trash talking each other that's 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 more entertaining, I think. Yeah. So, uh, more no, beef. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm. I don't know if I want as much beef as you, because you know, I obviously I, I enjoyed watching, you know, or seeing pictures of Brian and Harper for the last couple of years and getting oh, way too excited about it. But whatever, um, you know, like I was saying though, the mentality that Brian has had that he's brought into spring training and like just everything. Like I, like I said, I'm here for it. I think, like you guys said, I think he's going to bounce back. You know, he was having a great 2018 before he decided to slide into first base. So, you know, there's no reason to think that he can't get back to those, the you know, to the old numbers, especially since he's brought back his old swing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's he's looked good in spring so far. I don't. He hasn't even made an out this spring. They played like five games or something like that. I think so, it was like five for five getting on base, something like that. Why? Right, why do players yeah. do that? I, I'm changing the subject just a, a little bit here, temporary. Why do players still slide into first base? 
I don't uh, understand why every manager in the, the league doesn't put the kibosh on that. I mean, that's like that's just basic physics that if you leave your feet, you're going to slow down. Your your best chance of being safe is to just keep running. I mean, you're losing speed the minute you dive. I don't get it. I don't understand why it's allowed. If I was a manager and and somebody dove into first base, slid into first base, his ass would be on the bench the next game. All right, take a sedative, Adam. But yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I totally agree with that. I, and you know, that obviously the injury affected Bryant so much. His numbers went way down when you know when he you know came back from that injury, and you know he just wasn't healthy as we all saw. So, you know, I I think he learned from it. And, you know, I just look forward to watching him slide feet first into bases instead of, you know, hands first and not into first base. You know, I, I will, instinct. I will yeah. say this about Chris Bryant. Enjoy, enjoy this while you can because I think he's out of here. I think once his contract is up, he's gone. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, look, look he says the other day when asked that he was going to be open to talking extension, but you know what? I think he'd be nuts not to test the market when he's a free agent, just well, speaking on his behalf. Well, I mean, even beyond that, I mean, every every player of his caliber should test the market. But and, and I really I believe that he loves his teammates and that he likes the fans and being a Chicago Cub. But I also really get the feeling that he's holding a grudge against this organization and that he is not happy with the brass. And I just feel like when his time is up, he is going to bounce because I, I sincerely believe that some team out there, once he hits free agency, will offer him more than the Cubs top offer. Oh, I'm I believe, sure. I believe that. And I think that I still think he is so bitter about the way the Cubs handled bringing him up uh, and maybe about contract extension talks that I, I just I think he's gone. Well, first off, free agency, when he hits free agency, he's going to be either 29 or 30, right? Somewhere around there, because he yes. hits free agency after the 2021 season, so going into 2022. Right, so it's not like he's going to be in the position for like a contract that like Harper or Machado are going to get, or even Nolan Arenado. So that's why I have a like I I feel like you know maybe he wouldn't test the market just based off you know if the Cubs offered him enough money of like they if they gave a similar extension like what Arenado got maybe not 35 million dollars a year, but. It, it would all depend on what he does this year and, and maybe next year because I feel like they would do it going into his last year of his of of their of the control the Cubs have of him. We'll we'll see what happens. I think there's there's a big difference between saying I'd love to be a Cub for my whole career and saying uh, I'll listen to what they have to say, which is what yeah. he said. I think yeah. I think I I think he's still pretty bitter about the whole thing, and I I think that he's just gonna bounce. That's my personal opinion. I hope it doesn't end up being the case. I would love for him to stay a Chicago Cub for his whole career, but I I think he's gone. I literally just wrote about this issue on Cubby's Crib. Uh, I think the article hasn't been published yet, but it's set to be published soon. Basically, Adam, to your point of him remembering what happened in the article, and I'm going to do it now as well, I quoted Seth from Superbad when he said, people don't forget... <laughs> So, yeah, I love, yeah I, I'm kind of, I love that quote. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, I traced it movie. on Twitter the other night. It's it's one of my favorites. That's like but, that's like everybody's favorite movie who graduated high school, like in the in the early 2010s. <laughs> yeah. It's it ages so well. That's the great yeah. thing about the movie is that it aged really well, it's, while some yeah. other comedies have not. 
it's it's yeah. very quotable. That's oh, yeah. That's that seems to be the, the mark of a great movie these days. It's how quotable it is. Which, by the way, we still have to work in some Lebowski quotes into this show, as we said we would uh, from here on out. Oh, we will. We, we, it'll it'll come when you don't expect it. So, yeah, definitely. It's Cody. Since you weren't here last time, new tradition is we try to work in a big Lebowski quote in the show at some point. So, expect All right. that. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. But, but in the in the in the weeks to come, we we got to be a little more subtle about it. You know, it yes. it, take, it takes away from the the allure of that if we if we have to say that we're gonna give you big Lebowski quotes. From now on, people have to be able to to pick it out themselves. Absolutely. But yes, back to Bryant. I think he is pretty clearly frustrated. And look, you could look at his quote saying, well, is he frustrated with the team or is he frustrated with the system? I think the answer is both. And that is revealed in when he said, it still doesn't make it right. So that's basically saying the system is broken. The system is manipulated by multiple teams because he referenced Eloy Jimenez. He referenced Vlad Jr. And he talked about himself. But when you say it still doesn't make it right, that's basically him telling the Cubs, look, I know the system is flawed, but you were part of that flawed system. And, you know, I didn't think it was right. Then again, this is part of the CBA. So, there's clearly issues with the CBA. But I think at the end of the day, Bryant is frustrated about that. I don't know what's going to happen during free agency, but me personally, I think he's at least going to get to free agency. Whether that's re-signing with the Cubs or not, I think it is going to get there. I know he says he's his own man. He makes the decisions, but I really don't think Bryant is just going to completely ignore the advice of Scott Boris, his agent. And again, this isn't any agent. This is Scott Boris we're talking about. Yeah. No, like, like I was kind of saying, like, I really think it's going to depend on what happens over the next two years, whether, you know, if the Cubs win another World Series, what his numbers are like. I mean, I think we both, all three of us think that he's going to put up MVP caliber numbers. And if he does, then yeah, he's going to get a ton of money as he deservedly should get. Uh, but like, as we talk about right now and like, in the way that you're kind of putting it as like, or Adam wasn't saying like, you just think he's going to leave. I mean, a lot really depends on what happens over the next two years. I think, um, you know, I have confidence and I think we all have confidence here that he's going to be just fine and he's going to put up great numbers. So, so I totally see what Adam is saying, but you know, I, I, I think that he's willing to at least hear the Cubs out if they do try to extend him. And I mean, if it happens, it happens. If he goes to free agency, good for him. Like, I th- it will all depend because in 2021, like the Cubs are are gonna by, by the end of it, the Cubs are going to look like a complete different team with all the contracts that are gonna be up with them. So it's like you don't know who they're gonna try to resign and all of that. So there's just so many factors that goes into it. And for right now, like living in this moment, like I think you know. Chris has a he has a plenty of reasons to, you know, think the way he's thinking. Like, and you know, you mentioned Eloy. You know, same thing happened to Ronald Acuna last year, and you know, I just think that the Cubs and every other organization is going to do the same thing. And I get him being upset about it, but like, you want the extra year of control. You just got to do what you got to do. And you, they, they all say like, you got to think of the organization. You got to put the organization first. You can't put players above that. So. 
you, if you want that extra year of control, then you do it. So it all comes down to like, they just need to, you know, fix the CBA and allow teams to call these players up whenever they should be called up. Cause we, we all know Brian should have been called up at least by September 2014. Do you, do you think it was wrong of them to do that though? To wait that two weeks? Because I don't, I think that's just a smart business decision. That, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I thought it was a smart business decision because then they get the extra year of control so, because if they didn't, then, you know, they don't get it. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But, well, yeah, like, see, take that's, your anger out on the system. That's, that's, right. the team. Well, that's, that's why I don't understand Chris Bryant's frustration because, the, I mean, he, he stated that it's a business. He understands it's a business. The Chicago Cubs have to do what's best for the Chicago Cubs. Right. You know, their, their, their top priority is the team, not Chris Bryant. I mean, it would be foolish of them to put a player's interest ahead of their own. I mean, it's right. it's all part of one system, but I, I mean, it's not like it's a knock against him. I mean, he right. knows he was good enough to be called I, up. It's two weeks. It's right. two weeks. I mean, and I get it. You're you're the player. You want more control over your career, but you know, take take like Alex said, take it up with the CBA, not the Cubs, because the Cubs were just doing what is best for the team. Here's the thing I really want to point out. The Cubs are not the only team to do this. If Chris right. Bryant was drafted by the Blue Jays and he was in the same position, I guarantee you the Blue Jays would have done the same thing. They're doing the same thing with Vlad Jr. The White Sox are doing the same thing with Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, this is a system they? issue. Right. right. But They're going to well, do what they think is best interest and for their business, whether you like it or not. Here's the thing, though. How do you correct that? If, if, that's, if that's a flaw in the system, how do you correct that? I don't because know. I mean, it would be how, how do you do you get a bunch of guys together who say, oh, you know what? He's 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 good enough. You you call him up right now. I mean, teams could come up with any excuse they want to keep somebody down in the minors. That's their call. How do you how do you judge whether or not somebody has to be called up? How do you enforce that? Because I could see that causing some serious problems if the CBA says, hey, you have to call this guy up right now and a team. You know, a team coming back hard on that and saying, no, we believe he doesn't he should not be up here right now. How do you correct something like that? Maybe it's based off like how the players are getting hyped up through, you know, whether it's how do you measure hype? Hype isn't isn't measurable, though. I mean, I I just know that you know, I thought he made a comment about how like people, you know, guys like Eloy and, and Vlad Jr. especially, they're getting talked about online what, through MLB's own, you know, social media accounts, and he's not on the Blue Jays. So, like, you know, it, it's, I guess it's kind of like, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, if they're doing that, then you know that they should be up. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't know if maybe it would be like a farm system ranking thing, but then again, that's kind of arbitrary too. Yeah. Honestly, I don't, I don't really have an answer here. And look, I, I'm, I'm just saying that in the end, this is a system that is something that the players clearly have an issue with, and it's going to come up in the next CBA. And there's more and more worries that there's going to be a work stoppage. So I, I think what Bryant was trying to do was kind of stick up for his fellow players and say that he's not happy with the way the system is. He may still be personally upset with the Cubs for their decisions, but I think his his purpose was to not be like, oh, I hate the Cubs for doing this, for, for talking publicly. 
I think it had to do with just kind of sticking up for other ball players. I, I do agree it, with Adam okay. that I think there is still probably some personal beef with the Cubs over that, but he's not going to come out and flat say, I'm doing this because I'm at the Cubs. I don't think that was his purpose. I think it was all mainly, you know, like you said, talking about the players and, you know, just the flaws of the system. I, I never thought it was really, a, you know, him taking shots at the Cubs. Cause like, like we all said, like, it's a business decision. You do you put the organization first. So, yeah, I, I like I said, I don't think he's really that mad at the Cubs. I think he's just mad at the situation. Yeah, I mean it's it'll be interesting. But you know, I'll also say this: we're three years away from him becoming a free agent, unless you know there is some extension. So, at least we're not like in his last year right now, because this is a very big topic of conversation right now. And it's being talked about for a number of players because of the way free agency has swung when they're not even going to be free agents for another several years. I mean, this these next three years could be this core's window. This could be it. And look, we said that they were going to contend for a number of years. And well, if that is indeed the case, they would have contended from 2015 to 2021 or 2022. And they've won at least one World Series. We'd like to see more. But... You know, I think if Chris Bryant crushes it and he wins another World Series here and he just puts up great numbers and he has the opportunity to milk every dollar he can, then I think he's definitely on the move after uh, his contract is up here. But we'll just have to wait and see. It'll be interesting to see. But, hey, at least we have three more years left of the guy no matter what, unless there's something crazy like a trade or a really terrible injury. Let's just hope that's not the case. Right. Yeah, like I was... I kind of mentioned this earlier, like, you know, the Cubs have a lot of guys whose contracts are up in 2021. Like I'm pretty sure Javi Baez is, is one. I think Rizzo is one of them. Like depending on what they do the next, you know, three seasons, it's there's no guarantee the Cubs are going to keep Bryant and, you know, knowing what, who knows what they do in free agency over the next two years as well. So there's all kinds of factors that's going to decide if the Cubs are going to keep Bryant um, you know, as we sit here today and we talk about different, you know, different things that could happen, you know, I think we obviously would all want to keep him. It's just, you know, it just comes down to what the Cubs do. If, if the Cubs somehow, some way don't contend freaking Dakota, let's get 79 wins for this year. And who knows what happens after, like, if it's like that, then I don't think the Cubs will be trying to keep Bryant, but that would be probably because he didn't perform. So, yeah. <laughs> Is like I said, so many different um, factors um, will go into it. But you know, if we're putting individual statistics into it right now, I mean, yeah, he's he's gonna. I feel like he definitely is gonna get a contract that's, you know, it's gonna be fought over between multiple teams. For sure. Now, speaking of contracts expiring, I wanted to talk about another thing I wrote on Cubby's crib. It was the expiring contracts this year. So players who are on the roster now, the 40-man roster, who have expiring contracts. This does not include minor league deals or non-roster invitees. This is guys under contract, under team control, who are going to be unrestricted free agents after this season. The two big names are Ben Zobrist and Cole Hamels. We also have a number of guys like Xavier Cedeno, uh, Tony Barnett, Pedro Strope is another big one. I got to ask you guys this. 
out of any of the guys who are going to be free agents in the upcoming year, who do you see coming and who do you see going? Adam, we'll start with you. Uh, I think Ben Zobrist. I, I I don't think they'd give him a big contract, but I think as long as as long as he's still a viable on field option, I think that they would like to try to find a way to keep him a part of the team for as long as they can. Uh, just because of what he's meant to this franchise the last few years. I mean, he really, on and off the field, just as a teammate, as a player, I think he's been so important to them, so vital to their success, that it would be good for them to find a way to keep him around. Maybe even in some sort of like David Ross type of role where, you know, he's not... He can't put the team on his back. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be a top five player on the team. But nonetheless, he's still important in several ways. Uh, I could see that being the case with Ben Zobrist. Yeah. Um. You mentioned Zobrist. I. I, I think that they could bring him back. You know, on like an, a one or a two year deal. I don't know how much he would get. Depends on what he would do this year. But I mean, he's definitely lived up to the contract outside of twenty seventeen. Um. I think if I had to choose someone else, like if Pedro Stroke puts up numbers like he did last season and, you know, and how like how he basically has his entire tenure with the Cubs, I've I feel like they would need him because the yes. one question for the Cubs right now is their bullpen. Um, and he's he was the one consistent factor besides maybe C-Shuck. He kind of died, died out at the end of the year because of usage. But, you know, Stroke, uh, he 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 was great last year. He probably it was probably his best season as a Cub. So you know if he puts up more great like uh, more consistency like he has, then I would love to see him back in a Cubs uniform. I, I don't care if he is. I think he's like thirty two or thirty three. So um, yeah, I mean you you take it on a year by year basis with the relief pitchers. I mean it's yeah. a, a, I don't think age is as important as as just looking at what they've done recently. Um, I mean and yeah. It, Pedro Strope has been one of the best relievers the Chicago Cubs have ever had. I mean, yep. His consistency and his his uh, his approach is it's it's really. I do think that they should try to bring him back. Uh, but I mean, to to add to my point about Zobrist, uh, he's been kind of a wanderer towards the end of his career, and I think that it would be really beneficial for the Cubs uh, if they could kind of solidify uh, him as being a Chicago Cub when his career is finished. People remember Ben Zobrist as a Chicago Cub because his hit in Game Seven. I mean, that's that's part of Cubs lore. I mean, yeah. that will that will forever be one of the most important moments in Chicago Cubs history. And so, I think it would be to their benefit uh, if he was remembered as a Cub. See, I'm going to go in a different direction with Zobrist. I think he's gone after this year. I think that the Cubs may try to bring him back on a really cheap deal. But if Ben Zobrist has another good year, despite his age. He's going to want more than that, and I think there will be teams willing to pay him more than one year. So, honestly, I think he's gone. That's just my opinion. Pedro Strope, I think he's extended this year. I really do. I think he's that important to the franchise, and he still has plenty left in the tank. He so should I be. Think he, I think he's going to be extended. The other one I forgot to mention was Steve Ciszek. He's going to be a free agent, too. I think he's probably going to go elsewhere. That's kind of who he's been. He's played to his deal with the team, and then he's gone elsewhere. So I think that's just that's just going to be what happens to him. And then Cole Hamels, we'll see what happens this year. Honestly, I would, gone. I would say he's probably more likely gone. Yeah, yeah. well. He says he wants to play till he's 45. So, I yeah. mean, if he puts and up that, good numbers, I mean, 
And I'd like to have a million dollars. <laughs> Same. Yeah, ditto. But yeah, I just I just have that feeling he's gonna go elsewhere after this season. And you know, that's whatever. It's we're lucky to get more than half a season out of him. We're lucky to get a full season out of Cole Hamels this year, plus that other half that he pitched last year with us. But yeah, I don't really have much reasoning. I just think he's going to go elsewhere. That's kind of how I feel with Steve Ciszek, like I said. But yeah, I mean, my main disagreement is I think Ben Zobrist, his days as a Cub are going to be over after this season. But, you know, we'll see. And then yeah, there's other well, guys. I think you know. we can all agree that Zo- the Cubs will bring Zobrist back on more of like a David Ross-type like contract. And the That's only... what they'd be willing to do. Right. Like I said, I just think Ben Zobrist, if he has another good season, he's going to a little more than that yeah but maybe maybe Zobers doesn't get as, as many at bats as he did last year because I don't know Ian Happ's going to be playing more infield I guess now and if he you know kind of breaks out like a lot of people are saying that he has potential to do which I mean there's potential there and he plays second base along with whether it's Baez whether it's you know Descalso. I mean, that's um, totally conditional, though. I mean, right. that's, that totally depends because, I mean, let's be honest, Ian Happ sucked last year. Well, and if, sure. he, if, he, if he continues to suck on ice, there, he's not going to get guaranteed playing time. And right. I would say, as of right now, he has no guaranteed playing time. Right. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically, if, you know, if, if Ian Happ was, did start the season well and, you know, got more playing time, because, like, from my understanding, last year, the Cubs probably played Zobers more than they really wanted to, but because players struggled, he basically was forced to play more, but well, and because I, he, he was really good though, too. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's more too. than just more than just the rest of the team struggling It's I mean, Ben Zobers was really good. And I think that had more to do with just playing the hot hand than, than trying yeah. to fill a void. That's true. I, I'm just trying to, I guess, kind of explain that, you know, going into the year, he wasn't, they were looking at him to be in a smaller world, role and it turned out he played a huge role in the team so i mean that's why i'm kind of like if you know if hap and you know and almora and maybe a few other guys maybe you know finally break out into these stars that you know the the scouts said that they would then maybe they don't need to play zobrist as much and that allows him to you know stay you know fresh and they can use him how they would like to use him uh, so that's kind of like what I'm trying to explain. Yeah, we'll see what kind of season Ben Zobrist has. I think he could put up maybe a, a 270 type average. If he gives us a 350, 360 on base, I think at his age we'll definitely take that because he's going to be 38 very soon. No matter what happens after this year, it's pretty clear that Ben Zobrist's career is more or less over, but you got to give him a lot of credit for the season he had last year. Because you saw him struggle in 2017, but that was really kind of due to the poor wrist issue. He had the the wrist problems. He just couldn't get that swing going. So it's good to see him bounce back like that. But yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the only guys that are going to be due up the next offseason. So most of the guys are still under control for at least another few years. And you have Anthony Rizzo, who has two team options after this year, and... Let's face it, he's not going anywhere. If anything, he's going to be extended or they're going to try to extend him. See, I can see Anthony Rizzo. He's the type of player I could see doing the extension. 
Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but that's kind of how I feel. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but I could see Anthony Rizzo accepting an extension. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it would just really depend on how much they they were willing to give him. I I don't I couldn't tell you what his market is. I mean, he's been consistent, nothing but consistent over his you know his entire tenure with the Cubs. You know, uh, you know he's only gotten better. I mean, home runs were a little bit down last year compared to the years before. But you know, if they you know, I feel like if they offered him an extension, they probably pay, definitely pay him a lot more because I feel like we're definitely uh, getting more than what. <laughs> He's getting paid, so um, it would be interesting to see where the talks would start. Yeah, for sure. I think that would probably be a topic of conversation, at least within the next few years, because he's got this year left and then the two team options, which, again, those are team options, so it's up to the Cubs to bring him back for those two years, and unless something really crazy happens, like a meteor strikes a certain area, I think uh, they're going to be picking up those options. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, but that's pretty much everything I had tonight. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty the much due to buds. Oh, I think that's I think that covers it all. I so far like my, my overall spring training feel right now is just I don't know. It's it's a great vibe right now. Everyone's you know it feels like it's Cubs against the world everyone's just like at least the the players they're all treating it is like everyone's like counting them out and oh they're ready to take on the universe right. we were talking about this yeah. the other week they're they're not going to let anything get in their way yeah and it's to me it's kind of nice i mean you always want to be like the favorite going in every year but over the last couple of years you know obviously the cubs have been you know favored to win the division blah 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 now this year it's a little bit different it's kind of like that 2015 feel except you know they're you know that they're actually good, except in unlike in twenty fifteen where you were like, uh, well, we we got some guys. If you know if Bryant and you know maybe Russell come up, they you know, if, and then if they perform, maybe we can make a run. Whatever it was like, it was there was optimism, you know. And, well, they're coming off their first failure, like their first right. true taste of failure. Twenty seventeen, they ran out of gas against a great Dodger team while being the defending champions. Obviously, going to seventeen, they were the champions, and then twenty fifteen. They made it further than anyone imagined, and they just got beat by a red-hot Mets team with a great pitching staff, and they were very young and very inexperienced. They were expected to do big things in 2018, and right. I think they expected themselves to do big things in 2018, and then it all kind of came crashing down in the final few days of the season and then in the wild-card game. So that was really their first taste of bitter failure. Right, yeah, like you said. I mean, that's why I kinda, I'm kind of, like, I'm, I'm really excited this spring for some reason and, and it, i really didn't know if i was gonna feel that way considering all the pr problems they've had this offseason but with the way that the you know the yeah. players and you know front front offices have been talking whenever they're you know asked about you know the season and everything it's for me at least it's it's a positive sign so you know i i can't wait for april and uh you know here's the hoping that they get more than 79 wins I also think, and this is just my opinion, things will also be more calmed down, more focused among fans when Bryce Harper finally signs somewhere and that whole hoopla can just end. Because I think we're all very sick of it. 
God, I hope it doesn't end up being the Dodgers, though. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. If, if the cup, if the Dodgers get him on like the short-term deal that everyone's saying, I will be livid because so will I. It's not going to happen, do though. Bryce Bryce Harp, there's no way he is taking a short-term deal. He is so bullheaded. There's, I don't see it happening. I mean, I don't see it either. But like, he basically like, what was that tweet from? What was his name Randy Wells or something like that? I I don't uh, know. Some reporter out of New York. He said that his some source blue said, check. "Yeah, some blue check mark." He said that his source says that uh, the Cubs and the Dodgers were his were Harper's like favorite the entire like this entire time. Blah blah blah. It was never like made up, and they, he doesn't want to play for the Phillies because he doesn't want to play for Gabe Kapler. Doesn't like his analytics and something like that. I, it was a tweet from yesterday, so. I don't know. You'd have to go back and maybe find it. Um, in but the yet the Cubs and Dodgers are all about analytics too. That's what I'm right. confused about. Yeah, I didn't really understand the, the end of the tweet. It was just more about, yo, Harper actually really do want, does want to play for you. Like, can we do something? Like, maybe it's the Philly fans. Philly fan, Philly <laughs> yeah. fans eat you alive. If they you do. Don't. They do. <laughs> Is that, that's like I'm saying though. It's just like, man, he he wants to play for you and. You know, if this was if he was like you know twenty nine thirty years old, then I'd probably be okay. But he is like in the like in his prime, like entering yep. his prime, and they know that. I mean, I I'm, don't get me wrong. I want I want Bryce Harper to be a Cub. I I wish they would get him. But I mean, they they know everything we know, and right. and and, and I, then I just, some. Ugh. I'm not gonna. I'm you know I'm if they think this is the best decision, then I'm I'm gonna trust them on that. Right. I mean, when they are so loaded in the outfield right now, anyway, it kind of makes sense. But they can those guys. Most of those guys are expendable. Whether you know if you can find a way to you know move Hayward or move if you have to trade Half or Almora, then you know I feel like those those moves are worth it. Even if you have to trade Schwarber, and I'm I'm a big Schwarber guy. Like I feel like you could, if you could trade any of them to make room for Bryce Harper, I would support it. Of course, I would be. You'd be crazy not to, right? So, whenever they talk about you know the whole budget and like just not having any money, it's especially when you know that they're racketed so much cash over you know everything. It's it's frustrating. You know, I I don't get it. I don't get uh that side of that side of the business. Whenever you're like in this, you know, in this winning window that the Cubs have right now, they it just doesn't make any sense to why they're at least not like in negotiations. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I just, you know, I they do plenty of things that make me scratch my head. I just have to, you know, when they when they do something that doesn't make any sense to me, I just have to I give them deference because I have to remind myself you know, they know more than we do. I mean, yep. it's, we, we have to, we can bellyache all we want and sometimes it's justified for sure. But at the end of the day, we all do need to acknowledge that the Cubs brass knows more than we do. They, ha- they know more about the situation than us. For sure. I, I guess what I, everything that I've said, it's just, it's all based off, you know, like if you had, you had a guy like that, like in, the, in his prime, like you just, I like. I just want to see the Cubs be part of the talk. Like, if if he decided to choose somewhere else because they decided to pay him a little bit more money, then fine. But like, they're not even in the talks for him, and that's you know, 
that's what bothers me about I mean, it. Well, we don't necessarily know that for sure. I mean, they, they, I mean maybe they've done that cat maybe, on Twitter, then fine. But maybe still. they've maybe they've done an excellent job of, of keeping things under wraps. I don't know. Maybe you know, and and that that could vary. I very I, I I put no stock into what anybody says on Twitter. John, even John Heyman, Ken Rosenthal, all those guys. Until the deal is done, I just don't. I'm not saying that 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 every they're making stuff up. I wouldn't ever mean to suggest that at all. But but things change so frequently. I mean, like I said last week, John Heyman reports one thing, and then the next day, Ken Rosenthal reports the exact opposite. These things it's getting really change, annoying. With these that, things you know? change so often that there's no there's no there's really no reason to get too excited about any of these reports until the deal is actually final. No, right. I yeah, mean, but- yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. The whole Dodgers thing is what would really bother me because if the Cubs didn't indeed really try and he let them go to the Dodgers, I mean, think about that Dodgers team with Bryce Harper. They've won the pennant the last two years. I mean, that could just kill your pennant chances right there. Yeah. So if he doesn't go to the Cubs, I pray it's the Phillies or the Giants. (laughs) If he goes to the Giants, it's solely for the money. And money oh, yeah. talks. Money yeah. talks. I mean, <laughs> it if makes no sense to why I'd, he would want to go to San Francisco. Except I'd for be, I'd be totally cool with him going to the Giants if he's not going to go to the Cubs. Right. I mean, Me because too. Bryce Bryce Harper doesn't turn the Giants into contenders. No, not at and all. I'm the one positive out of all of this is, as we've seen, he's not rumored to go to St. Louis or Milwaukee. So, you know, I, I'm, I just, even if they could pony up the cash, I can't see a guy like Bryce Harper choosing to live in Milwaukee. (laughs) No (laughs) way. I'm just saying, I don't know if you could pay me to live in Milwaukee. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, and I eat ramen noodles every other night. I don't think you could pay me to live in Milwaukee. Oh goodness. Well, I think that's just about, going to wrap things up here at climbing the ivy i want to thank everybody for listening and i want to thank adam and cody for coming on the show always a pleasure talking to you guys be sure to check out the podcasts on itunes it'll also be on our various social media pages and also be sure to check out cubby's crib and read all our articles cody adam and me we all contribute there and uh, also support all the other writers there So until next time, he's Cody, he's Adam, I'm Alex, have a great night.